morning. How's everybody doing? We good? 11.30, alive, active. So glad that you're here. I want to give a shout out to those joining us online. So glad that you're tuning in with us today. Hey, do me a favor. Grab your sermon notes and your Bibles and meet me in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, we have you covered. Raise your hand. One of our ushers will get one to you in just a moment. As always, feel free to use your electronic device. We are in a series titled Fearless. That's our word for the year, really asking ourselves individually and as a church, what would we do if we weren't afraid? And focusing on Joshua 1.9, which is our verse for the year, where God said to Joshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so we've been looking at some of these areas where we're prone to be fearful instead of being fearless. And we looked at the fear of people. We've looked at the fear of the future. Last week was the fear of sharing our faith. We've looked at the fear of failure. Today we're talking about the fear of pain. And I, I believe that the fear of pain is one of those areas where we're fearful. We don't even recognize it. And all of us will see pictures and things where we're like, yeah, that, that would hurt. In fact, I love this picture right here that says this trailer hitch has hurt more people than my guns ever will. How many of you have ever kicked a trailer hitch? Raise your hand. Yes, so many of us have. I've got scars on my legs from trailer hitches. So today we're, we're talking about the fear of pain. And before I say anything else, I just want to recognize in a room this size, even those joining us online, for some of you, you're in a season of intense pain. Maybe it's chronic pain. Maybe something happened just recently. Uh, something came out of nowhere. And you are experiencing physical or emotional pain beyond what you ever imagined. Boy, I, I pray and I'm confident that today's message will encourage, comfort, and inspire your heart in a powerful way. In fact, we have our prayer team that will be up afterwards. If we can pray for you, be a, a shoulder to cry on. We just want to be a blessing to you today. And I believe there's somebody that really helps us navigate how we can be fearless in the midst of pain, and that's Jesus himself. Let me set the context for Luke chapter 22. Uh, Judas has already left to betray Jesus. They've had the Passover feast with the disciples. Jesus has given them communion. He's told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three different times. And anticipating the cross, we see, we see this, this pain that Jesus is feeling, this heartache. And notice what Jesus is, does, starting in verse 39 of Luke 22. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Dr. Luke in verse 39 says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
Heavenly Father, in this moment, we push pause on everything else in our lives so that we can focus on you and you alone. God, would you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word, your instruction, your desires for us today. God, I pray in a humble way for your help that you would take over my mouth, my heart, my mind, and that you would communicate your desires and your passion for your people. God, it's to that end I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The fear of pain, if we're not careful, can be one of the greatest fears that we live by. It's a a fear that will keep us from being the people that God wants us to be, and it's a fear that will keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And we have to realize that when God calls us to be obedient, often there's the possibility of pain. And we see that throughout the Scripture. We see that when God called Noah to build an ark, there was the possibility of emotional pain, people making fun of him. We see that when God put on David's heart to battle Goliath, there was the possibility of physical pain, not only that, even death. We see that when God called Joshua to lead the Israelites, there was a possibility from war after war that Joshua could experience physical pain or all of the Israelites could experience physical pain. And so the reality is when God calls us to be obedient, there is always the possibility of pain. But what I want to do today is look at the scriptures. And according to the Bible, I want to look at five different reasons why we do not need to be fearful of pain. Why, according to the Bible, do we not need to be fearful, but we can be fearless in the midst of the possibility of pain? And the first reason is simply this. Pain is something everyone will experience. Welcome to Shelter Cove. Glad you're here today. Pain is something that absolutely everyone will experience. Pain has no bias. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your race, your ethnicity, your background, how much education you have. Every single one of us will experience pain. In fact, that's why Jesus warned his disciples, hey, you're going to experience pain. I'm going to send you out. You're going to be like sheep among wolves. I want you to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You're going to be taken out of the synagogues. You're going to be dragged before political leaders. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be abused. But don't worry. My Holy Spirit is going to protect you, and my Holy Spirit will give you words when you don't know what to say or you don't know what to speak. I believe one of the worst things that we've done as the church in America is communicate a message that in some way, if you give your life to Jesus Christ and you follow him, it's going to result in a a life where you're wealthy, healthy, prosperous, prosperous, yes, that that was a little bit awkward. Let's rewind that. Healthy, wealthy, prosperous, right? You're not going to, the the American church has just lied about that. Why? Because Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you will experience pain. And that's why Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, he must pick up his cross, follow me, because whoever wants to, to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will save it. And everybody knew what Jesus was talking about. To pick up your cross meant physical pain. Pick up your cross means death. Crucifixion was the most brutal, barbaric way of dying in the biblical times. 
Like you, you would have to carry your cross to the point of where you would die. You would end up being thrown down on it. They would hammer nails in your hands, sometimes in your wrists, so you wouldn't rip off. And these weren't smooth nails. These weren't small nails. These were lengthy, jagged nails. So every time the hammer hit the nail, it would literally rip your flesh. And after having your arms stretched out as wide as they possibly could, they would take a nail and hammer it through both of your feet at the same time. And then once you were nailed to the cross by your hands, by your feet, you would be raised up, you would drop it, be dropped into a hole with a thud, and you would just hang there. And it wouldn't be just for minutes, sometimes not just hours, sometimes it would be days. And you would not die from thirst, you would not die from starvation, you would not die necessarily from blood loss, you would die from not being able to breathe. Because every time you needed to take a breath, you literally would have to push yourself up because your lungs would be tempted to collapse. Most people that died from crucifixion died of suffocation. And so when Jesus told his disciples, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross. They all knew that they were choosing a life of pain. Jesus said in John 16, very clearly, he said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Pain is something everyone will experience, and we experience it in a couple of different ways. First of all, in your notes, we all experience physical pain. We all experience physical pain. We all experience backaches, migraines, headaches, stomach pain, but there's a different pain that we experience physically when we choose to follow Christ. And we don't experience this a whole lot in America, but in other places of the world, there are Christians today that are being tortured, that are being killed because of their faith in Jesus. For example, North Korea was once again identified for the 13th year in a row as the worst place for Christians to live. Why? If you are discovered to be a Christian in North Korea, you will either be a slave for the rest of your life or you will be murdered. Like there is physical pain when we follow Jesus. Jesus, who did nothing wrong. He was perfect. He was flawless. He experienced physical pain. Beating, abused. He was spit at. He was crucified. I think about Paul, arguably the greatest Christian in the New Testament. He experienced physical pain for following Jesus. He was whipped to the point of death uh, several times minus one whipping. He had rocks he was, that he was pelted with. He was constantly on the run. He was constantly thrown in prison, constantly hungry, constantly thirsty. Why? Because of his commitment to Jesus Christ. Every single one of us in this life will experience physical pain. But not only that, we all experience emotional pain as well. We all experience emotional pain. And to utilize Jesus as the example again, somebody that did nothing wrong, he experienced great emotional pain. He had the pain of betrayal. He had the pain of isolation. He had the pain of loneliness, the pain of criticism, the pain of rejection, Think about when Lazarus died, Jesus' best, one of his best friends. What did he do? He, he wept because of emotional pain in his life, even though he could have brought him back from the dead. 
I think about when the money changers were ripping people off in the temple, even though people came to worship and offer sacrifices, Jesus got angry. He, he hurts because of the way people were treating each other. And if that's not enough, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he sees his mom out there watching him be crucified. He cries out to the Father, 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 why have you forsaken me? Feeling this intense pain of, of loneliness. Why? Because everybody experiences emotional pain. It's one thing to experience physical pain. It is a whole nother level to experience emotional pain from people that you thought loved you. People thought would always support you. People thought had your back. That's a, that's a pain that we often, often experience. And if we're not careful, the, the fear of emotional pain going places will keep us from doing what what is correct and honorable to do. I think about people that have broken up with people via text message. I-L-Y stands for I love you most of the time, right? Check out this text message, I-L-Y. Can you please spell it out? It makes everything more special. I'm leaving you. It's horrible, isn't it? These are text messages, people that were too fearful of having a conversation. So they're like, I'm just gonna shoot a quick text. Notice this next one. I think we need to break up. Oh, your autocorrect is messing up again. No, I'm being serious. And it's doing it again. No, it's over. Babe, you need to get a new phone, right? Because you don't think somebody's going to break up with you via text message. Here's the next one. Hey, I don't think this is going to work. I'm breaking up with you. Sorry. Wow. Whatever. You'll never find someone like me. That's the point. Oh, just brutal. Don't miss this. Even though every single one of us will experience pain, if we're not careful, pain will be our filter instead of Jesus. The deciding factor in our lives will be how much pain can this potentially cause me instead of Jesus, what are you asking me to do? If I could illustrate it, I'd say for, for a lot of us, if we're not careful, we're kind of like bubble boy. In our whole life, no, I'm not gonna get in here. I got in here last night and I got stuck, all right? <laughs> Our whole life is like bubble boy. How many of you want to see me get in here? Huh? You guys are mean, all right? That, that's, just, that's just mean, all right? If we're not careful, we can jump in here. Our life can be a bubble. And the filter for our lives is what's going to cause me pain? What's going to potentially hurt? What's going to potentially harm me? Instead of putting this to the side and saying, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? Jesus, who are you calling me to be? See, we can be fearless in the midst of pain because everyone will experience pain. Second of all, we can be fearless in your notes because pain is necessary for growth and development. Pain is necessary for growth and development. I remember my first class in grad school at seminary, I was taking a, a class on the Gospels, class on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the teacher, first day, said, hey, next week, next Monday, you've got a four-page outline due on the book of Mark. Outline the entire book. It can't be more than four pages. Turn it in. I remember I was working on it a little bit every day, and I was thinking, okay, Sunday night, and I need about two hours, more hours, and I just need to work on this some more because it's got just some more, you know, touch-up to do. And I remember instead of two hours, I spent like 10 hours on it. I was up till three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning, I printed out my paper, and I cried. I wept because I was like, I can't do this. I can't figure this out. Boy, this is what seminary is going to be like. I'm just going to give up. One of the most 
brutal nights academically of my life. And I remember turning it in the next day with everybody else. I had bags underneath my eyes. I was so tired. And the teacher said, how many of you struggled with that assignment? Every single person raised their hand. He said, good, that was the point. The point was so that you would struggle. The point was that in the midst of the struggle, you would learn. And then he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, class, it's impossible to outline the book of Mark. And I was like, thanks a lot, teacher. (laughs) But here's the point. It's through our pain where we experience growth and development. See, pain protects us, but pain also corrects us. I think, think about God's gift of pain. If we, we break our ankle and we've got feeling of pain, we're not going to step on it and do more damage. But if you have leprosy, what happens with leprosy? You lose your sense of pain. So you can touch something that's hot, burn yourself, and not even know it, causing more damage. Pain protects us, but pain also corrects us. See, I, want to, I believe that one of the greatest reasons why there is the pain, the consequences of sin, is so that we will turn back to Jesus and be, be like, God, I believe there's a better way. But instead of turning back to Jesus, sometimes we just want to numb our pain. I think about the football player that played for the Seattle Seahawks, Kenny Easley. He hurt his ankle. Instead of resting, he took anywhere from 16 to 20 pills of Advil. Anti-inflammatory. Three months later, he has to have his kidney taken out because he just does so much damage. Why? Instead of dealing with the pain, he just wanted to numb himself so he could keep playing football. Cost him his career. Why? Because instead of using it for growth and development, he just wanted to numb himself and keep moving forward. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. Pain is necessary for growth and development. And Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing. I love that word, knowing. Here's the difference between so many Christians. So often we focus on how we feel and not what we know. Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Not because we're focused on how we feel, but we're focusing on what we know. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that Paul says this. Hey, this is what we know. Pain, suffering, what does it produce? It produces endurance. What does endurance produce? Character. What is character? Character is who we are. It's the goal of the Christian life to become as much like Jesus as we possibly can. What does character produce? Hope. It's hope. It's confidence. Confidence in God. Confidence in eternity. I said several months ago, hope, H-O-P-E, could literally stand for hold on pain ends. And so pain is necessary for growth and development. I think a lot of us just wish we could fall asleep and wake up with more endurance, more character, more hope. It doesn't work that way. God works through our pain. To illustrate it, I, I believe that physically, those of us that, that exercise, we know that the way to get stronger is through experiencing pain. At one time, uh, my mom was exercising probably like 20 years ago. She was doing this tricep machine where she was pushing down weights, and I waved goodbye to her, and she lifted one of her hands off, and she just started waving to me. And I went over to her and said, Mom, if you can take one of your arms off the machine and wave to me, it's not causing enough pain. It's not really going to work. you got to drop the weight, right? Because to exercise, 
for it to be beneficial, it's, it's got to hurt a little bit. It's got to cause some pain because in that pain, our muscles grow. Let me, let me illustrate this for all of us right now. Why don't you all stand up just for a moment? We're going to try something together. All right, on the count of three, what I want you to do is squat down, but don't sit all the way down, all right? And just hold it. Just hold it. We're just going to have a little fun. We're in church, all right? We don't take ourselves too seriously. On the count of three, one, two, three. Now just hold it, all right? Just hold it there. You're doing great. Good. I'm going to give the rest of my message, and you're going to stay that way, all right? I'm kidding. You can sit down, all right? I said that, and some of you stood right back up. Why? Fear of pain. We don't like it. We run from it. I, I work out at a class, and they'll have us squat down and hold it there for several, several minutes, sometimes with a bag of like 50 pounds sand on our shoulders. Why? Because they're mean, and they just want to torture us. No, not really. There's something that the trainers know is that when you experience pain, it makes you stronger. See, pain is necessary for our growth and development. Thirdly, in your notes, why can we be fearless in the midst of pain? Pain gives us an eternal perspective. Pain gives us an eternal perspective. In fact, Jesus reminds his disciples of this in Matthew chapter 5. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my accounts. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said, in the midst of your pain, remember you've got a reward in heaven. There's something powerful about experiencing pain because it reminds us, you know what, it's not always going to be this way. There's going to be a day where there's no more pain, no more suffering. John says that in Revelation chapter 21. This is what he says. He says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away, nor pain anymore. See, with Jesus, Eternity means no more pain. Right now, some of you are super aware of that because you're, you're just filled with pain right now. I'm aware of this on a regular basis, not because of pain that I experience, but because of pain somebody else that I love experiences. My 14-year-old son, Jake, many of you know him. He's got special needs, doesn't walk, doesn't talk, doesn't eat through his mouth. There are seasons where he goes through pain and we have no idea why. But here's my hope, and here's the perspective it always brings back to me, is that there will be a day where Jacob experiences no more pain. And that, that's my hope. That's your hope. That's our hope. But, but pain reminds us that, that this is not our home. And if we didn't experience pain, if we didn't experience suffering, we probably would be tempted to get very comfortable here on earth instead of longing to be with Jesus longing to go home. Why? Because we're aliens. We're strangers here. This is not our home. My mother-in-law and father-in-law, they'll come over to our house from time to time. They live up in Elk Grove. And after being there just for a couple hours, my mother-in-law's like, I'm ready to go home. I think being around me is extremely painful for her. <laughs> no, she's, she's, she's awesome. But it's just not, it's not comfortable for her. And she just, she just longs to be home. <clears throat> Also home. Sorry, I went through puberty. Um, she just longs to go home. Why? Because it's not comfortable being where she's at at our house. 
See, when we have this eternal perspective, which pain allows us to have, we make better decisions. We're more focused on Jesus. Pain gives us an eternal perspective. Fourthly, pain increases our intimacy with God. Pain increases our intimacy with God. Moms and dads, some of you know that when you take your little ones to the doctor's office to get shots, what do they do? They, they hold on to you. And they don't just hold on to you. They literally put their fingers into your flesh, right? Because the potential of pain drives them to us. Now, don't miss this. There is a purpose behind your pain. You can spend the rest of your life trying to figure out, God, why have you allowed this to happen? God, why, why is this happening to my life? God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And for some of us, the rest of our lives, we will never be able to comprehend or understand it. Kind of like a one-year-old trying to comprehend why they have to get a shot, knowing it's painful, but it's better that they do. There is a purpose behind our pain. And when we experience pain, pain increases our intimacy with God. Think about my own times of pain. Whether it's been physical pain, emotional pain, those are the times where I just cry out to Jesus the most. And God blesses me with that pain because it, it pushes me to Jesus in a way I'm not not normally pushed. And so, so pain increases our intimacy with God. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus is anticipating the cross. He's, he's anticipating the, bearing the, the wrath of God for the sins of the world, something our, our minds can't even comprehend. And this is what happens in Luke chapter 22. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. And he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I love this because in this moment, Jesus recognizes the pain. He anticipates the pain, but that's not the driving factor for his life. His father is. And I want you to circle a couple words in that. That verse, not my will, but yours be done. I love this because Jesus was willing to recognize the pain, anticipate the pain, but at the end of the day, he said, God, it's not possible, not my will, but yours be done. Can you think about how different your life would be if that was your heart and that was your attitude? For some of you, God's calling you to the mission field. You're like, God, I just, I don't want to go. God, not my will, but yours be done. For some of you, you're in a dating relationship with somebody you should not be with. And you're like, God, it's, it's going to be too hurtful, too painful. But at the end of the day, not my will, but yours be done. For some of you, God's put, placing, putting a tithe on your heart, putting God first in your life in the area of finances. And you're like, God, I, I don't know how this is going to work. It's going to be painful. I'm going to have to rearrange my whole life. But not my will, but yours be done. Some of you, God is calling you to serve. And you're like, God, it's going to be painfully uncomfortable. But if that's what you want, not my will, but yours be done. You know what that is in your own life? 
Maybe it's something else where you've been saying no to God. God, not my will, but yours be done. That was the heart of Jesus. Because sometimes saying no to to God in the beginning actually leads to more pain later on in life. For example, if God's saying, hey, you got to get right with your finances, and you're like, you know what, I don't want the pain of that. I just want to live. I want to spend. I don't want to save any money. And you meet with your financial planner 10 years from now, and they say, hey, for you to retire, you need to work till you're 167 years old. Right? That'd be painful. But we don't want to do it now. Why? Because of the fear of pain. For some of us, we're fearful of breaking up with somebody. And that doesn't even compare to the fear of, of continuing to date them, getting married, and being married to somebody that you're not supposed to because you feared pain years ago. Think about Paul. Paul's thorn in his flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. says that Paul has this, this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. It could have been a physical ailment, eye disease, some kind of a temptation, but three different times Paul cries out to God, God, if it's possible, remove this thorn, remove this thorn, remove this thorn. God doesn't do it. And some of you are here today and you've got a thorn in your flesh. We don't know what Paul's was so we can all relate to it, but there's been some sort of pain issue in your life where you're saying, God, would you remove this? And I believe God's answering us the same way he answered Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And at some point, as difficult as it is, we have to take a step back at our own lives and look and say, God, at the end of the day, there's a purpose for my pain, and I believe in the sovereignty of God. What does sovereignty mean? It means that we believe that God is in control of everything that happens to our lives. That means that the pain that we are now experiencing is something that God either has allowed to happen or God has caused. That nothing in our life is simply because of happenstance, something random, some kind of accident. No, God is sovereign. He's in control. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for our lives. See, pain is something that increases our intimacy with God. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm going through a rough time, but I'm so glad that the Bible says that God won't give us more than what we can handle. And I say, you know what? The Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible says that when we are tempted, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but God will always provide a way of escape, always a way out. I believe God does allow us to experience more than what we can handle. Why? Because it's in those times that we turn to Jesus. It's in those times that we pray to Jesus. It's in those times in my own life where I pray like I've never prayed before. And so what does pain do? What does the potential of pain do? Boy, it increases our intimacy with God. That's why we don't need to be fearful of pain, but we can be fearless. Last point in your notes, point number five. Why be fearless of pain? Because Pain provides opportunities to comfort others. Pain provides opportunities to comfort others. Now, there was an article written in the LA Times in 2010, and it stated very clearly that all of us navigate pain in different ways. Uh, There's some things that are standard for human beings, like the temperature of the human body should be 98. Good. Three of you knew that, all right? 98.6. If you've got 110 temperature, something's wrong, all right? 98.6. That's normal. 
pain, it's, it's, it's hard to really evaluate what's normal. I've got a, a dog named Chloe, and she's about 13 years old now. Here's her picture on the screen. Yeah, she's a, she used to be a cute little bugger. She's got like a third eye growing above her right eye. Um, but she makes these random noises when nobody's around. If somebody just touches her, she jumps, she screams. It's like a, like, it's a, it sounds like a bird almost. She just, she whines, she screams. And people would say, Jeremy, your dog has issues. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. But here's why. What most people don't know about Chloe is when Chloe was real young, on two different occasions, she was attacked by pit bulls. So I believe that emotionally, she has been scarred almost for the rest of her life. And so for all of us, we all have stories. People in our lives have stories. We don't know why the way they are. We don't know what's happened to them in their past. But I believe one of the worst things that we can do as Christians is say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't let that hurt you. You shouldn't experience pain. I'm so glad that in the times of my own life where I've experienced pain, I've been crying. Jesus never looks at me and says, Jeremy, you shouldn't be crying. What does he do? He wipes every tear from my eye. He wipes every tear from my eye. So in the midst of our pain, what can we do? God uses that pain so that we can encourage and minister to others. Why? Because I believe your greatest pain will be your greatest opportunity for ministry. Some of you are here today and, boy, years ago, you made a mistake that you still regret. You got an abortion. You've walked in God's grace, walked in God's forgiveness, and instead of keeping that quiet, a secret, you're going to walk with somebody else through their decision where they've had an abortion. Why? Because your greatest pain is now your greatest ministry. For some of you here, you're divorced today. And instead of hiding that pain, you're going to walk somebody else through a season of life where they've been divorced. A friend of mine came here about eight years ago for the first time, just found out he had cancer came forward to the prayer team afterwards, had a heavy heart, wanted prayer. The person that he was talking to had uh, recovered from cancer, was able to minister to him, pray with him, love him. Why? Because often our greatest pain is our off, often our greatest opportunity for ministry. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, don't miss this. When God says something once, we pay attention. When he says it twice, we really pay attention. Five different times in these two verses, we see the word comfort. Circle them in your notes. Comfort. Who comforts. Comfort, comfort, comforted by God. See, there's something powerful that happens when we're living a life where we've experienced pain, we're in pain, there's a possibility of pain where the Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit's literally the comforter. So the Holy Spirit comforts to us, but he also comforts through us. Don't miss that. God can use your pain to comfort others. 
And church, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is just feeling sorry for somebody else. Empathy is going into their pain, into their world, sitting with somebody, coming alongside somebody, just being present with somebody and comforting them in the midst of their pain. So what happened to Jesus when he was praying and sweating blood? God sent an angel to just comfort him. What happened to the three guys in Daniel 3 when they are thrown into the fiery furnace? God shows up. Daniel chapter 6, when he's thrown into the lion's den, what happens? He sends an angel. This week, there will be people in your lives that are hurting, that need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and God's going to want to use you. What do you do? You just show up. You come alongside. You pray. You encourage. Why? Because the Holy Spirit just doesn't give comfort to you. The Holy Spirit gives comfort through you. We can be fearless in the midst of pain. Why? Because pain is experienced by everybody. Pain is necessary for growth and development. Pain provides an eternal perspective. Fourthly, Pain increases our intimacy with God and pain provides opportunities to comfort others. Two questions in your notes. Number one, where is the fear of pain controlling your life? I want to let that sink in just for a moment. If you want to know what it is, Where have you been saying no to Jesus because of the fear of pain where today you need to say yes because you're choosing to be fearless? Another way to ask that question is simply this. Where is God calling you to be obedient even though it may hurt? What's that conversation you need to to have? And sometimes it's not just physically painful, emotionally painful. Sometimes what God is asking us to do is painfully uncomfortable. It's just outside of our comfort zone. We've never done it before. So so we call it something else, but the reality is we're painfully uncomfortable. Where does God want you to go into that discomfort? Because God is calling you to be obedient. Here's the challenge this week. Do something that may be painful, but is motivated by your love and obedience to God. This week, that area where you've been saying no, that area where you've been ignoring God because of the fear of pain, don't only identify it, but allow this week to be the week where you say, yes, God, I'm going to be obedient. Yes, God, I'm going to serve you. Allow yourself to be like Jesus where you recognize the pain, but at the end of the day, you say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you again for Jesus who saves us, who gives us life, who gives us hope, who gives us security, Thank you, thank you, thank you that 
You would love us enough that you would send your son, your only son, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. God, today we, we want to be fearless, but we need your help. And so God, right now in this moment, we identify that area where we are fearful of pain. Right now, put it on our hearts. Make it clear. God, we don't want to just identify it. We don't want to just acknowledge it. We want your help that we would live obedient lives where even though there's the potential of pain, we say yes to Jesus. Help us to that end this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.